Fall in love with the problem you're trying to solve. Put your arms around people and inspire them. There's no substitute for proximity in delivering change. You have to talk to the people involved. Let's find out what else Peter Patashko has to say. Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Paul Morton, and it is my joy and privilege to interview on your behalf some of the brightest and smartest people I've been able to bribe, cajole and otherwise persuade into the studio. We're talking about leadership, management and the life surrounding it. I hope you enjoy the show. Peter Ptashko, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So you have 15 years of working in social enterprises and foundations. You want to help us understand how we should fund more social startups. You've been working in supporting, mentoring, signposting people. You are fascinated by climate, education. Would you please introduce yourself properly? Thank you, Paul. I mean, it's a privilege to be on your podcast with your audience and listeners. And um, yeah, I've been very lucky enough to have an eclectic career over the last 15 years and latterly running my own um, social change consultancy. It's a social enterprise. Uh, we do a lot of good in the world, I hope. And I'm just happy to be having a conversation with you about how we can do more of it. My take on doing this whole thing, full stop, is the idea of doing a bit of good. Right? And it came about, because um, I don't think I told you this when we met, it came about because my daughter turned to me a couple of years ago and said, ah, Daddy, can I go out to work? And she was 10 at the time. And I thought, right, down the pits for you, my lass. <laughs> work the gymnasium. Um, and it got me thinking about the people that I've had come on straight from university or whatever. And the first jobs I had, I was a dishwasher for many years and waiter and barman and all these sort of things. I think I've worked solidly since I was about 12, 13, whenever you're allowed. There's a law, I think. No. Um, and I thought about all the crappy managers and all the people I'd gone through and suffered with. So you've got and had this diverse range. That was one of the things that I thought was really interesting. This really diverse range of experiences. Is there any sort of red thread you could pull out that crosses them all? Yeah, it's really interesting you raised that, Paul. I think it's that lived experience that really shapes us. Um, and I'm struck by your history there. When Clearly, you will have met and spoken to a lot of people. I guess I've done the same. And so it is almost as some of the parts being greater than the individual elements that have informed the work I'm doing now. I feel like I pulled those threads together for the work I do in Cambio, my current venture. And the, the central piece is, is the translation of the name into English. So it's called Cambio because I was based in Mexico for a number of years doing this work in Latin America. My partner's Mexican, so I have a, there's a Latin theme here. But it, Cambio means change in English. And what I'm struck by is the fact that we're all living through significant periods of change, um, whether it be economic change, political change, social change. And how do you help people navigate that? It's one of those words that I think we all like to say we're good at. But in reality, change is hard. You know, systems don't like to change. People don't like to change. Even when it's a positive change, it's still a change. So I help people navigate change, whether they're individuals, organizations, small or large. There's, I think, the only one is this trite, and it's a cliche because it's like all of these things, very, very true. The only constant is change. Things that don't change die, right? Yeah. You go back to your hometown and you realize, oh, it hasn't changed. It's still a dump, you know? It's got worse. Oh, it's completely changed. It's got lots of little new boutiques and there's more people moving in. And, you know, so you have, I think, 
intentional change, passive change. There's lots of different sorts of cambios. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm looking for that more intentional change. And, you know, I often use the word resilience. Yeah. How can you, mm. you know, be given a situation and make the best out of it? Opportunity. That's why a lot of the work I do is in and around social enterprise, um, yeah, social innovation. And it's about how can we deliver the best result possible from the situation we're in that creates the maximal social impact for you, for the people around your community, your stakeholders, beneficiaries, um, given the situation we're in. Okay, give us How a, do you make lemonade from, from lemons? Yeah, give us an example. That's not lemonade-based. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I spend a lot of my time and I get my the most energy really in my work from coaching entrepreneurs. So literally all the way from day one to day 501. Um, and right now I'm coaching a couple of people. One who is... Uh, literally starting up uh, a small business that is helping people um, cope with mental health situations in the workplace and somebody else that's about to draw down uh, an eight-figure investment, um, helping people to get on the housing ladder who otherwise wouldn't be able to. So it's very technical. It's a tech startup scale up now. Um, and anything in between. And for me, you know, of course, there's a lot of technical elements around, okay, how do you fundraise or how do you seek investment and how do you find the right legal structure? But it comes down to people leading interesting projects and ventures that are trying to create change. And I see I have a role with all those people in facilitating, amplifying, creating a voice and an opportunity. Um, and I think my sort of quite diverse lived experience, as, as you put it, helps us helps them really to deliver that change. And it helps us to do more of it collectively as an as an organisation. Okay, you said it all comes down to people. I mean, huh. everything comes down to people. I mean, you're talking about a number of different companies, okay? Yes. Yeah. And the companies contain people. Yep. And the root of the word company is companion. Yep. And companion comes from, as you will know, with your Latin background, compan, with bread. These yep. are people with whom I break bread. Yeah. So organizations and uh, institutions and yeah, okay, fine, fine. The companies, the people that I would actually want to have a meal and a glass of wine with. Yeah. Maybe even two. Yeah. That's why not meal. I don't want to get fat. Yeah. Um, how then do you promote or help people, individuals? So these entrepreneurs, yeah. somebody's about to get, you know, 10 plus million euro pound dollars they're all the same these days as long as you're not yeah. talking leader you're fine yeah how did you get somebody who's going to do that or start and dedicate the next 10 years of their life to something yeah yeah except the things that they can change and accept to, to deal with the things they can change and accept the things they can't a study came out fairly recently here in the uk yeah that people have about 15% of the control over their lives that they think they do. Yeah. So the other 85% is either in the hands of God yeah. or the bank manager or the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Or, or it's not me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, uh, let me say a bit more about what I, I might refer to as my secret sauce. And it may sound so um, straightforward as to be obvious, but. What I would say is that when you talk about business, and a lot of the work I do is around helping people to start and scale some kind of business, you know, social enterprise, whatever it may be, most people think business is about money. They also think business is about structures and processes and 
uh, hiring the right people for the right skills. And of course, that's part of it. But as we've both identified in different ways, it all comes down to the people. And what I do is I place the focus on the entrepreneur. So I'm in a world of enterprise, their business is possible. Like you say, if it is that 15%, well, how do we get the best 15% possible? Yeah. And how do we collaborate to maybe get that number up higher with other organizations, other businesses and society and government and beyond that, you know, at scale. So for me, it comes down to what is that person-centered methodology or approach that gets the best and unleashes the potential of the individual. And so everything I talk about in my coaching sessions or, or whether I'm consulting with bigger organizations is uh, putting a focus on the individual leader, however big the team may be. Maybe a team of one, it could be a team of a thousand. That's my starting point. I mean, everything you do then, if you're helping them to recognize and understand where they're where they then start. So you start with them, yeah. their starting point in starting a business, starting whatever. I think, and having had the similar conversations, people start with by, oh, it should have a red logo and the website should be called the... Absolutely. Off. What problem are you trying to solve? Yeah. And in the case of a commercial enterprise, are people willing to pay for that problem being solved? Absolutely. And then yeah. the third bonus question, just for luck, is... Are they already trying to fix it themselves with sticky back plastic and some chewing gum, right? If they're not trying to fix it themselves right now, it's not worth trying to fix. And they're certainly not going to be willing to pay you to fix the problem, you know? So that's kind of working backwards. But that's, that's the person's approach to their problem. That, conversely, is a change process you have to take your customer through. Mm. And reflect on the fact that they don't need to go through the pains and struggles of outrageous fortune. They can oppose them and indeed end them to misquote Hamlet. So lead on from the secret sauce. You've started with a person. Yeah. All comes down to that individual trying to gain as much agency over their life as possible, which I really like, by the way. Yeah. Then, yeah. then what? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that will depend on their own objectives for their organization because when they've you know, realize that it's not the logo, it's not the legal structure, it's not the accountant that are the most important thing they need to get right today, otherwise it won't work. Um, they start to recognize that journey. And within the journey narrative, you, you've got these key gateways, really, which is understanding my agency, understanding what the value exchange is going to be with the customers, you know, with these other people out there that have you know, a need, um, have pains and gains day to day. Um, but also my suppliers and my competitors or my future business partners or co-founders or team members or volunteers, ultimately groups of people that have desires and ambitions and plans. How can I ultimately then inspire? How can I tell a purposeful story to bring those people on that journey with me? It doesn't have to be in the organization. It's not about building massive you know, multinational companies. I mean, that may be part of it, but in reality, it's, I think it's far more on that human level of this is a course. This is something that I want you to believe in because it matters. Um, I happen to have a solution over here that I think will contribute towards it, but ultimately, you know, you're bought into this with me. So on, when you're on that human level, I think it's easier to see that narrative uh, kind of unfurled in front of you. And I help to guide them. Final thing I'll say on this quickly now is, of course, some people are going to come back and say, well, hold on. Yeah, but I, I just want to know how to start a legal stretch. 
you know, how do I start a business? And, and you know, at what point do I need to, to launch a website? And of course, I can advise them on that. But I guess the difference is they are not the key decision-making factors of what's going to make this a success or not. And they come into the conversation with me thinking that they are the most important thing. So it's turning that on its head. Okay. Let's step up out and away a bit from the startup scale up bit. Yeah. And because your expertise is greater than that. Mm. If we think you mentioned it right at the beginning, which is resilience. Mm. Change. Change is happening all around you. It happens to you whether you like it or not. You may have agency, you may not. So let's uh, you have your thought experiment of your entrepreneur halfway through their fundraise. You have somebody doing whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. And I think the technical term is shit happens mm -hmm. to you. Mm. How do we retain that resilience? How, how do you keep being elastic enough to cope, to thrive in change rather than survive? Yeah. It is the key question that I think many people are asking themselves, Paul. And I think my answer to that question is the following. I've thought a lot about this and I've gone inside first, which I think is really key. Um, interestingly, as some of your listeners may know, there are, of course, the sustainable development goals, those 17 goals uh, that we're all meant to be hitting by 2030, but of course aren't for the most part. But there's also the inner development goals, which um, is a relatively new concept started by a man called Otto Sharma, who's done a lot around um, theory U, and how we put people at the heart of sustainability. Um, there was a conference recently in Stockholm about those, so I do encourage people to take a look at those. But you, you have to start inside first. And if we're doing that, we're looking at things like authenticity. Who are you and what is your role? So if we're being resilient, what does that mean for me? And that may be unique to anyone else. So that's the first point. The second one is um, fall in love with the the issue, the problem, the social challenge in the world you're trying to resolve, not the solution. The solution may change. You might run more than one business. You may have actually a portfolio career where you've got a full-time thing and then you've got a part-time thing and a whole range of other things. And that's fine. Absolutely fine. We're not defined by any one thing as people. But actually, fall in love with the problem, the big picture, because it will, it will serve you. And finally, there's no substitute for proximity in resilience uh, and, and in delivering change. Get close to it. You know, I'm a big believer in your lived, as I've said, your lived experience is unique to you. Try and make that as far as possible close to the problem you're trying to resolve. You need to have conversations with people. You need to get out of your office and live it. And that may be uncomfortable. In fact, if it works, it probably should be uncomfortable. But through that discomfort, that's where the magic starts to happen, I think. Um, this is a yeah, final point on this. I've said I've used the sort of terrible cliche of a journey narrative, but that's the reality. Change doesn't happen overnight, it happens over time. So, if you've really fallen in love with something over the long term, I think that puts you in a pretty good position. To contextualize this even further for my audience, mm. what advice would you give them in terms of dealing with change in their teams, for their teams, for people around them? I wrap your arms around people and inspire them. Those are the two things that I would immediately lead with. You know, whether you're a founder or a manager of a team for the first time or you're even an experienced hand, I think there's nothing quite like giving people a platform, an opportunity to be the best they can be. 
And I think that comes, at least initially, through wrapping your arms around them. I use the word inspire as well because, of course, you can go in and you can go out. So the arms come around you but and you feel like you have a place here. You feel like you have agency to deliver something, you know, to to achieve your goals that fit within the organisational's uh, strategy or, or objectives, whatever they may be. But also, you want them to be looking out to the horizon. You know, when you're driving a car, you don't look right in front of you. You look 20 yards ahead because you want to see what's coming. So you want to inspire them to deliver for you into the long term, not just next week, next month, even next year. So I think the best results come from being able to do that. Now, again, easy to sit here and say that, and it's harder to do it. But if your narrative is around proximity, authenticity, and lived experience, I think it's so much easier because you're sharing a part of you with them. They will feel, I I feel, and this is what I, you know, my experience from working with these people is they will feel inspired if you give some of that, some of your journey to them in return. It, it can't just be talk. You have to walk the walk. You have to demonstrate through your leadership. Um, I've no doubt you've covered this topic, uh, uh, you know, to death, but it's very much leadership and not management. That's what we're talking about. I I do, whenever anybody asks that, I always ask them to make the definitions themselves. So you define define both for me, please. Leadership is something that's inspirational, it's visionary, it takes you forward. Um, it's always looking to the next challenge and seeing it as an opportunity. Certainly the work that I do, that's how I conceptualize it. I think management is more about um, uh, you know, positioning resources and g- gathering things together on a tactical level. Um, I- I'm always careful. I-, I don't like, it's very easy when you juxtapose the two together to make it sound like management is is, is negative and leadership is, is, is a positive or a wonderful thing. I think it's quite that simple. I think you need... I think good leadership is harder to find than good management, but we need both. Mm. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes having somebody to just connect the dots, uh, get people together in a room to have a conversation, there's value in that tactical achievement. Yeah, because actually that's not easy to do either. But what we're talking about here, I think, is is authentic leadership. I think that is in even greater demand and often really in greater scarcity as well. Simple as that. If you could write something on 10,000 huge billboards all around the world, what would you write? In how many words? Any as you like. Well, you know, a good slide is uh, six words, six uh, lines visible from six feet. But, you know, you, you do what you like. Oh, that's a tough question. I, for me, the essence of that has to be... Um, if I've got a broadest possible audience that I can think of, it's it, it sort of, you, know, you can deliver, you know, the change you want to see for you, your family, your community by being yourself. And it, it's almost as simple as that. I think it's, it's such, there's such a, a, a sort of um, myth out there that in order to achieve what we want to be, we have to become something we don't want to be or we're not entirely happy with and i don't think that's true i think that's a compromise we make that is is simply false i think you can be and you can have the life you want if you're prepared to be who you are authentically unashamedly um i in in a sense i'm i i naturally resist sort of kind of one sentence answers to life's biggest problems because you know there's complex life is complexity but there's something powerful in you can do what you believe in, but you have to be you. 
You can't be somebody else. You can't be who the next person wants you to be. Um, that compromise isn't going to work. I, I see that every day with entrepreneurs. When they start being who they are, they start delivering the change they, they have the potential to. It's all about unleashing potential that's there. It's not about building something that isn't there, which often is the way these things are sold. It's there, it's latent, but it's not being unleashed. Be yourself, everyone else is taken. Yeah, exactly. It builds on that phrase, doesn't it? Because it, it's so simple, but it's so true. Yeah. Is there something you've changed your mind about in the last few years? Um, I think I've become a bit more focused on what I'm trying to do. Um, I think uh, I've realized that compromise only gets you so far. And that in reality, if you really believe in something, you're going to have to stand up for it, uh, especially in a business or social enterprise context. You know, don't wait for that leader to come along. Don't wait for the entrepreneur that you think you could be to do it instead of you, because maybe it's you. Yeah, yeah maybe it has to be you. You have no idea who's ha who has a plan for you. I like Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's that other phrase that we could use, which is that if you don't spend your time, other people will spend it for you. So I'm a big believer in if you've got it, go for it. Yeah. It may not always work, but don't wait for the next person to do it. They may not come. And tell me, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so a lot of my time is, is spent in coaching sessions with entrepreneurs. Um, and I love working with early stage to, to sort of investment-ready social entrepreneurs. I love that feeling of, yeah, we've made this happen. This is landing. We're working with people, beneficiaries. We're delivering change. Uh, it keeps me grounded. Everything that I do depends on on those people. So I'd never stop doing that. Otherwise, a lot of the work that I do is spent, or the rest of the work that I do is spent with organizations. So particularly with universities, um, but also with corporates. Um, so very different types of organization there who are looking to deliver uh, programs that will help to fund and support other entrepreneurs. Um, you know, whether it be coaching or mentoring or acceleration programs or, or, or structuring funds, et cetera. And then particularly with corporates, you know, there's this idea of these organizations that, to my mind, many of them, many of them want to change, but they don't have either the capacity or the skill set inside to do it. I don't believe, like some do, that a lot of these organizations have no desire to change whatsoever. I, I believe that they are without the the, the roadmap and they're without the necessarily all the resources to do it effectively and we're running out of time so if i can play a small role with them helping them to steer in the right direction uh, then that's what i'll do uh, and actually the final thing i would say th the magic for me happens when you bring all that together i'm able to share insight across you know individuals all the way up to big corporates that are valuable both ways because trust me corporates find that entrepreneurial insight really valuable and entrepreneurs, of course, the same. So there's really interesting cross-fertilization happening there in the work that I do as well. Mm. That's fascinating. Is there a book that you gift or recommend for more than any other? Uh, I'm going to cheat again, Paul, and say there's two. Um, oh. One, two, because one is so obvious that many of your listeners will have already read it or seen the ted talk um it's the starting with why um book which is everybody loves and you know if you haven't seen the ted talk please do i'm always amazed and i know you're about to get it here off the shelf i'm for looking me. for the cartoon version oh even better um it, it's so good because so many people haven't seen it still and it's 15 years old 
Yeah. So this is this is this is the the, the cartoon version of it. You know? Even better. Yeah. However digestible you want it to be, it's a short book. The message is clear. Start with purpose. You can't go far wrong. Mm-hmm. The other book that I recommend that some of your um, viewers won't have uh, have seen or, or or read before, and I'm looking at it on my bookcase just behind the screen here, is a book called Range by David Epstein. Um, it, it's a uh, New York Times bestseller, I think. So some will have read this or seen this. It's got a lovely green hue on its cover. It's, you will either love or not. Um, but anyway, the book is all about how, as a society, we focus so much on specialists, but actually in reality, going forward, we need people with range, a broad set of lived experiences and skill sets that you bring together to create magic. Not to say that specialists aren't valuable, but actually maybe the age of the uh, the generalist is here. And it's just a nice addition. If you're trying to create change, you, you're pulling all of that lived experience together. You're not just saying, I'm a lawyer, and therefore I see everything through a legal prism. I also have all these other parts of my life that I can bring into helping you yeah, deliver change in whatever vehicle that may be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's nice when you talk to somebody and you say, who are you? And they say, well, I'm Andrea's son. I'm Catherine's husband. I'm the father of John and Josian, and uh, I like cooking, and uh, my church's youth group, and I do this. Oh, and by the way, at the same time as that, I'm a part-time business person. Yeah. You know, so that's... You know your whole self because everything you do involves that whole self. Absolutely. Even though we try in, often, in reality, we are the sum of that. We are not any one part of it. And we try very hard sometimes to actually cut off because we intentionally, you have to, if you think about it, you don't act, you actively, you are who you are. Yeah. But the way that when you go to work, you put the theoretical tie on and you get on the theoretical magic bus to to the office or whatever, and you shut down all these other doors to the other parts of your life. Mm. And we're impoverished because of it. You're talking about unleashing latent potential. Just open the doors back up. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the simplest thing in the world, but and yet so hard to do, Mm. I think, or it can be. As we wrap up, Mm. how can people find yeah, well, that is easy um, in that uh, I, I'm very open to collaborations, partnerships, to working with entrepreneurs in the coaching capacity. So lots of different ways to collaborate. Again, change isn't done you know, from any one person. So you can reach me um, through social media, um, on X, on Instagram, et cetera. Our website is cambioconsultancy.uk. Um, my email address is peter at cambioconsultancy.uk. Of course, all these details we can share separately, but... Um, I think the message is that I'm interested in people who want to unleash that talent. They have an idea. They're not quite sure if they're going to make it happen, but maybe this is the jolt they need. The person that's looking for that final piece in a puzzle to really scale something or somebody that simply wants to collaborate, wants to make something happen in, in partnership. Uh, that's that's what we do, really. All about people. Peter Ptashko, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Paul. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for joining me. If there's ever anything I can do to help you on your journey, then do please reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn and all the usual sources. Do please subscribe, leave me your five-star review, and most importantly, get in touch with your comments and feedback. It's really how I grow, and that's what I'm doing this for. Thanks again. Thanks again.